Hi there, America. Welcome to the Carter Report. Thanks for joining us. Millions of Christians out there are playing with strange, sinister, demonic forces. They're playing with the power of the occult, and they don't know they are. The reason they don't know they are is because they don't understand the truth about the soul and the spirit. Today, you will, as we present the sinister world of the occult. The Carter Report investigates the mysteries of the past as it seeks to interpret amazing predictions concerning our future. John Carter, scholar, writer, and traveler, invites you to join him as he unlocks mankind's most valuable treasure. Would you please turn with me in the Holy Scriptures to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 19 and 20. Is everybody feeling relaxed tonight? Come on, tell me, are you feeling happy? Yes, that's good. We're going to have a great time together with the Lord tonight and a great time together with God's Word. And we're going to deal with one of the most momentous subjects that you'll ever hear. Isaiah 8, verse 19 and 20. And I'm reading tonight out of the New King James Version. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums. Are there mediums in the world today? Yes, plenty of them. Seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living like people do in America and in Australia? They go to the sea ants chamber. Verse 20 says, to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, what does it say, friend? It, say it loud, it is because there is no light in them. The Bible says that if a person speaks and he professes to have a great prophecy, or if he says he's got a message from God, and if that message, the Bible says, is not in harmony with the Word of God, if that message is not in harmony with the, with the law of God, the Bible says, my friend, there is no light in them. You hear that? And there is no light for them. Now what I want to say tonight before we go any further, please hear me on this. Our authority in these meetings is the Holy Word of God. You hear that? Our authority is not the teaching of the churches. It is not the church fathers. I want to say tonight, our authority is not the Catholic Church. It is not the Methodist Church. It is not the Baptist Church. It is not the Pentecostal Church. It is not the Adventist Church. Our authority is the living Word of God that you've got in your hands tonight. And that is the only safe authority to have, isn't it? It's the only safe authority. Now tonight we are going to deal with what some people would call is a touchy subject. 
It is an emotional subject. Because whenever I give this subject, it may be different here, but whenever I've given this subject, people come to me and they say, but what you say and what you've told us contradicts our own experience. We have seen things. People have said to me, we have been visited by the dead. A mother came to me when I was taking a meeting and she said, John Carter, I don't believe that what you've told us tonight is the truth. She said, I am, and she told me her religion, and big religion in, a, in America and in Australia, and a good religion. And she said, I lost my little baby. That lady, my friend, was not crazy. She was not a spiritual nut. And she said, I lost my little baby. And she said, at night time I get down and I say my prayers and I get into bed and my little baby materializes and gets into bed with me. And she said, I do not believe what you say because mine eyes have seen the evidence. And she said, seeing is believing. Seeing may be believing, my friend, but I want to tell you something. She is not believing the truth. And I'm going to prove that tonight. I'm going to prove to you tonight that it is impossible for the living to contact the dead. And I'm going to prove it from the Bible, and I'm going to prove and don't walk out until you hear the evidence tonight. You hear that? I am going to prove tonight from the Word of God that we are in the midst of a great battle. And this great battle, ladies and gentlemen, is a battle that is led by His Majesty Lucifer, Lord of the Demons. And tonight we are going to talk about the legions of the demons. And I'm going to tell you tonight, we are involved in a battle which is more real than any battle that the United States of America has ever been involved in. We are going to talk about a battle more real than the Second World War when this nation fought Germany and Japan, when Australia stood by our side. We are going to talk about a battle, my friend, more real than any battle you've ever been engaged in. It is the battle of the spirit world. I want you to come now, please, over here to page 1158. 1158 in the Scriptures, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I'm going to turn to the text, and I want you to turn with me. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9. And verse 10, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9 and 10 says, The coming of the lawless one, this man, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness, all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. The Bible says in the last days, listen to this, it talks about the coming of a great power in the last days and He is coming to America. 
And I'm going to show you that he is here in America and he is coming with great signs, great power and great lying wonders. And wonders are going to happen on the stages of the greatest theatres in America and in some of the greatest churches. And the people are going to scream and shout, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. This is the power of God when in fact, my friend, it is the power of Lucifer. And the reason, my friend, they are deceived is because they trust in their feelings. Can I come to the blackboard again? I've done this about six times, but I'm going to do it now for the seventh time. There are three great words that Christians ought to get in perspective, three tremendously important words. The first word is, what is it? Fact. Oh, that's great. And the second word is faith. And the third word is not very important. And what is that word? That is feeling. Dare I say this to you tonight without being insulting? And I wouldn't do that. Can I say this without being offensive? Most Christians in America, most Christians in Dallas-Fort Worth, most Christians in the Bible Belt, most Christians in Australia have got this around the wrong way. And they put their feelings first. If it feels good, they say this is God's doing. Feeling first, faith second, and fact a very poor third. I want to tell you tonight, it was Jesus, our Lord, who said you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And Jesus said, we are to put our faith in the truth and not worry too much about our feelings. Let our feelings take care of themselves. But God help us, my friend, to put our faith, our belief in the truth of the Word of God, whether we feel like it or not, I say tonight. I'm glad that you folk feel like this. I'm glad. I'm glad because here is an audience which is unique. I'm going to unburden my heart a little bit to you tonight, and I don't want you to be offended. Can I talk to you like my own family? No, I better not. Let me, <laughs> let me talk to you like I talk to my wife. You know what concerns Beverly and me sometimes when we go home and turn on television late at night? We are concerned, amazed, and dazed by what people in America are being served on television in a religious sense. There is very, very little appeal to the Word of God. There is a great appeal, my friend, to how people feel. And there's a great appeal to miracles. And I hear preachers saying, Look at this miracle. Throw away your wheelchair and all the rest of it. My friend, that is not the proof of the Bible. Did you know that? That is not the proof of the Bible. The proof of the Bible is your willingness and my willingness to come to Jesus Christ and obey His Word. That's the proof of the Bible. And that is not popular. 
Did you know that? That is not popular because most people do not want a religion that says, obey my word. Most people want a religion that says, you do what you want to feel. You do what you want to do, and God will love you and take you to heaven just the same. That is not the religion of Jesus. That is not the religion of Christ. That is the religion of the Antichrist, you see. And you and I, I say it to you tonight because I love you, and I really do. My wife says, you ought to see the beautiful people that I meet out there at the cassette table. She says, they're beautiful people. She said, they're just like Australians. <laughs> <laughs> And they are. You people are the closest to Australians on the face of the earth. Did you know that? What do you mean by shaking your head like that, madam? Ma'am, as they say in this part of the world. I want to say you're beautiful people, and I say it to you sincerely. God help us to lay aside religious prejudice and come with the simplicity and the faith of a little child and say, Lord, help me to do your will. That's what I want to do tonight. That's what I'm asking God to help me to do tonight. And that's what I think you want to do tonight too. Now, let me see. Where's a good text that I can take you to now? So many things that we can talk about. I want you to come. Let me see. Come over here to a text in the book of Hebrews. I think I've written down a number here. I think it's 1170. That may be the wrong page. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 1, I think it is, and I think it's down the bottom of, the, of that chapter, Hebrews 1. Yes, verse, verse 13, now we're going to talk about the spirit world. Is there an unseen world of, of spirits? And the answer is obviously, yes, there is. There is an unseen world of spirits. Uh, Hebrews 1.13 says, but to which of the angels? So he's talking here about the angels, and then... Verse 14, he says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? My friend, that's a great text. The Bible tells me there are good spirits. The Bible tells me that there are good angels. And the Bible says that these good angels are sent forth by God to minister to us who are going to go to heaven. Isn't that good? Did you know that you have a ministering guardian angel? Did you know that? That is true. And the Bible says there are good angels. There are good spirits. But listen, the Bible also says there are evil angels. And I want you to turn now to the book of Revelation, page 1210, Revelation 12, Verses 7 down to 9. And I want you folk to really start to move with me now. Really move with me. Revelation 12, 7 down to 9. And let us really get some zip into this tonight. Let us turn up the texts as fast as we can. Reve but please turn up the texts. I'm always concerned if I see somebody sitting there who isn't looking up the texts because God speaks through this book. You see? This is how God speaks. Revelation 12, 7 to 9. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. That's the devil. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place for, for them, found for them in heaven any longer. 
And verse 9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. His angels, what does it say? His angels, his angels were cast out with him. And the word for angel in Hebrews 1 is angelos, which means a messenger. And you come down and it says, are they not all ministering spirits? And so when the Bible says, the angels who followed Lucifer were cast out. And verse 3, don't look at it now, we haven't got time. Revelation 12 verse 3 says, One third of the angels joined with Lucifer in rebellion. This means that one third of the angels of God were cast out and they came down to this earth. Isn't that something? The Bible even mentions gives us some idea of the numbers of the angels. And the Bible talks about the angels in terms of millions and millions and billions of angels, ministering spirits, supernatural beings, beings not as powerful as God, of course, not as powerful as Jesus, but nevertheless beings with tremendous power. On one occasion, one angel came down and took on the Assyrian soldiers and killed in one battle 185,000 185, Assyrian soldiers in one fight. There are millions, billions of angels, and one-third of these angels join with Lucifer in rebellion. And listen, my friend in America, the Bible says they have been cast down to this earth, and they are out to get you tonight. These demons are out to get you and they're out to get me. And the Bible tells us that we have only one safeguard and that is faith. A true faith in the truths of God's book. That's why God has given us this book. You see, I, I meet so many Christians and they say, as long as I've got faith, my friend, don't tell me that. Let, let us say, let us have faith in God's book. Let us find out the truth in God's book. Let us believe God's book. Let us obey God's book. And the devil, my friend, will be defeated. You see? Let us put faith. Let us put trust in the book of God. I am told that these angels have a king over them. And his name is Lucifer. And once upon a time, he stood right next to the very throne of Almighty God. Lucifer, my friend, was first among the angels, a being of transcendent majesty and overwhelming power, a being with a dazzling personality and a being with the wiles of a serpent. I want you to read... Description of him, which you come to page 829, Ezekiel 28. Back in the Old Testament, here we have a great pen picture of the dragon, Lucifer, who was once a shining angel, once stood in the very presence of God, glittering like a star, the most magnificent of God's creatures. 
Ezekiel 28 says, verse 12, under the symbolism of the king of Tyre, who was demon-possessed, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. Say to him, thus saith the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Here is a being, my friend, who was in the very Eden of God, and he was the very essence, the very perfection of beauty. And then the Bible says, verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in the ways that you, in your ways, from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. God did not make the devil. You hear that? God did not make the devil. God made Lucifer. God made a beautiful angel, but this angel, my friend, because of his own choice, turned himself into the devil. God didn't make him a devil. God made him beautiful being, wonderful being. Verse 17 says, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. My friend, he was so dazzling. He was so magnificent. He was so stunning. He was so overwhelming. He was so intelligent. He was so tremendous that somehow pride got inside his soul and that pride turned him from being Lucifer into being the snake that he is, the serpent. The Bible says that he came down to this earth and one-third, one-third of the angels of God came down here with him to this earth. And he has got tremendous power to deceive. Tonight, as we move along in this meeting, I want you to ask yourself the penetrating powerful, awful question. Could it be that in some way I am being deceived by this great supernatural being? And if the question comes, if the answer comes back to you tonight, yes, I am, then tonight, my friend, don't despair. We have a Christ who is greater than Satan. You see? We have a Christ who beat the devil. We have a Christ who licked the devil on the cross absolutely gave him a whipping. But this being, Lucifer, has got tremendous ability to deceive. He can even impersonate the dead. Did you know that? Satan can impersonate your lost loved one. Satan can impersonate your husband who died five years ago. Satan can impersonate the saints. He can impersonate the Virgin Mary. He can impersonate the dead. Look, please, please don't get mad with me tonight because I'm telling you this. But I know in every audience where I speak, I have people who come to me and they say, I'm 
shocked tonight. They say I'm stunned tonight, but I have been going along to meetings and I have been talking to my husband. He's been dead. It's got to be my husband because he knows everything about our lives. He knows things. This being knows everything. Nobody else knew those things. My friend, I want to tell you tonight, and I tell you this because I love you, and most importantly, God loves you. Listen to me. These evil angels have got no consideration for your feelings. They are out to get you, and they know everything about you. They know it all. But I want to say tonight, there is a beautiful peace and a wonderful calm that comes into a man's heart, into a woman's heart, when they know that they're walking with Jesus in the truth. That's a beautiful thing. And I want you tonight to have that beautiful, peaceful experience where you know tonight that you are actually walking with Jesus. Wouldn't you like to have that tonight? Wouldn't you like to know tonight that Jesus has got his arms around you and you're walking in the truth? You're going to have that tonight. I start with the basic premise that a Christian ought to believe the Bible. Now, if a person doesn't believe in the Bible, then really he can't say that he's a Christian. But a Christian ought to believe in this book. I believe that this book from Genesis right through to Revelation is the inspired word of a holy God. I believe that you can believe the whole of the Bible. I believe that this book is in, is in harmony with the great facts of history. I also believe it's in harmony with the facts of science. Now, having said that, Listen, you can believe the Bible, but you can't always trust in your feelings. There are three big words that Christians have got sort of twisted up. Those words are fact, faith, and feeling. And if you go along to the average Christian and you say, what is the most important word? He's going to say, oh, my faith is the most important. Other Christians will say, it's how I feel. I like to be uh, hyped up into a high feeling of religious ecstasy. I want to tell you something. You can't trust in your feelings and you can't always trust in your faith, but you can trust in the facts of God's book. And uh, when it comes to the truth about the occult, when it comes to the truth about demonism, when it comes to the truth about spirits, when it comes to the truth about the state of the dead, when it comes to the truth about heaven or hell or purgatory, I say to you, trust not in your feelings, but trust in the Word of God.